Welcome back to the Content Warning World Fighting Championship Content Warning saying it twice just to get it out there. In this corner we have all of the dirty words and the fucks and the shits and the swears that we are going to say. And in this corner we have the penis talk. So, in case you haven't noticed by the fact that I said all of those already, we will be having various dirty conversations and probably swearing a lot. Ready? And fight! Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. And I'm Zach. We're Aeronauts and we're back with more word balloons. We've been flying higher in our own hot air, but we're at the bar. We've made it. We've made it. It's time for a drink. And like, not fight anymore. <laughs> no more fights, except for... <laughs> We'll, we'll talk about that later. We have more fights, but... So, with that in mind, like, we're just landing. This is... I, we're not having any troubles with this one. Bar with no name is open to us. <laughs> we're going to get to sit in and not, like, be involved with the fights ourselves. We got some good TVs going. We're just going to have to get to enjoy some of this stuff. Do we want to get into watching that and and finding out the stuff from in the bar with no name or get to your Let's do the redemption stuff first. first and then we'll play some... They're not the most gamiest of games. That's but, okay. All right, redemption stuff I just realized I did not write down. Uh, hopefully one of you guys have it in front of you. Stow away. Stow away. We're here. Oh. We're at the bar. <laughs> Hello. Uh, editor and Stowaway Steven here. Um, sorry, I was just unloading the kegs down from the basement. It's time um, for your monthly bathroom break. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. What do you think I meant by unloading the kegs? I don't know why that's the, the one that broke me, but oh, God, that's so gross. <laughs> Redemptions. Oh, here we go. So, did you do these in order? I didn't keep track of the order. I think I did do it in order. I think it's in order. So, you got Tombstone. Spider-Man's mob albino villain yeah i mistake for hammerhead you wanted to get the spots origins oh and then i did not look that up mad scientist stuff although i feel like you touched on it mad scientist stuff uh the spot looks like a domination he has teleporter powers his real name is dr jonathan own on ohnn he was assigned to reproduce the radiation levels of the superhero cloak to find a way to mimic his powers and access the dark force dimension and he just riddled himself with it instead of being useful and then he does some horrifying things with it yeah no he's actually really terrifying when he wants to be but most of the time he's the dalmatian man you wanted to get anything on any of the other minotaurs other than dario agar okay so first of all there have been a couple of mythological minotaurs that various people have fought including hercules and wolverine for some reason i feel like wolverine probably has thrown down with probably more of the pantheon than anyone else it makes sense to me that hercules of course has fought minotaurs it's just strange that like those two were teamed up surprising but also not surprising if you know what i mean there is an alternate universe where they're lovers wolverine and hercules yep tumblr got really obsessed with this i'm obsessed with this now <laughs> that's fantastic i didn't know i did not know this and they tried to be like no just just that Hercules was gay. The main one is not. And they're like, it's Hercules. He's an ancient <laughs> Greek. He's probably bi. And he is. He's now dating uh, Novar. Mm. Good for him. <laughs> Next, there was Miklos Vrolek. Russian. A Iron Man villain. Miklos Vrolek was suffered from an unknown disease, which was beyond the cure of any medicine. His so he injected himself with bat no, blood. His dad did <laughs> his dad found a chemical in a labyrinth and was like 
you know what I'm gonna do? Give it to my dying son. What's the worst that could happen? He dies. Instead, it turns him into a minotaur. Now, his my dad... My son was a teenage minotaur. <laughs> now, instead of his dad being like, well, that was a mistake, or at least my son's not dying, he goes, you know what would be fun? Taking over the world with a bunch of minotaurs. So it becomes an ongoing thing of making more minotaurs, and he fights Iron Man a bunch. The Minotaur becomes obsessed with Madame Mask, who is the daughter of Camp Nefaria, sometimes romantic partner of Iron Man, and wants to turn her into a Minotaur, but realizing that it is possible to have healthy boundaries when he sees that Iron Man and Madame Mask love each other, he decides not to and saves them all from being crushed from a collapsing labyrinth. And I absolutely <laughs> love hearing you give super abridged versions of things, because that was a wild collection of things you just explained. Um, also, um, hearing anybody explain Minotaurs is just great, because it reminds me of Room 23, where there's like a whole whole fan theory about uh, how The Shining's all about uh, oh, Minotaur. Yeah. And the labyrinth, um, <laughs> because there, there's a poster of a skier that, like, in the background, that looks like the Minotaur. So this one's all—it's all about the Minotaur. I just love comic books. That's really. I have found this chemical in these old labyrinth ruins. Give it to my dead, dying son. I also now have an idea for a villain team up of that iteration of Minotaur with Hellcow. Yes. Everything about that. The next Minotaur is Decimus Furious, which is a name that's so bad that it makes me angry. Wasn't there a chicken sidekick as well? Sorry, just... I'm sorry, what? I feel like there was a sidekick to a... Uh, it was a Are Batman you thinking though. of cow and chicken? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do... I am aware of cow and chicken, um, oh, which is why my show. brain uh, made the connections, but I've seen a recent panel of... Um, I want to say it was um, Jason... Todd and one of the Robins, probably Dick, um, maybe. Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne. Probably Tim, uh, but talking, uh, and they were investigating a crew of former sidekicks and that were all like animal-based, and one of them was a chicken for sure. They were former sidekicks, two villains, and now are taking on, uh, became their own uh, hero team. It was, I don't, I've literally, it's like three panels that I've read, and this is I do I not know this offhand. I could very much see it being like a, maybe connected to uh, the Mad Hatter who tends to recruit various people into strange costumes if he can somehow connect it to Alice in Wonderland. This D. Raymond is not at all important, other than <laughs> I wanted to make a cow and chicken joke, apparently. But to <laughs> but know how to so stick the lid. brand for this show. <laughs> so, back to Minotaur. Uh, next one, Decimus Furious from Rick Remender and Jerome Opana. Jerome Opana's great. I don't like Rick Remender. I understand why most people love him. He's a great writer, just doesn't click for me. He is an ancient Roman born in 281 AD. Upon starving to death after his parents committed suicide. Jesus, that's heavy. <laughs> Bummer. Like, I read that and then saying it out loud went, huh? Wait, what? Whoa! <laughs> he starves to death, but his mutant powers emerge, turning him into a Minotaur. So he's a Mutantar? Yes, he's a Mutantar. Minotaur the Mutantar. Uh, he's sent to the Colosseum. He does a lot of killing. He ends up teaming up with Apocalypse and was selected as the one of the final horsemen because Apocalypse has the various four horsemen that he just replaces as an urge. But there were the final horsemen, which if I remember right, was if Apocalypse were to die, the final horsemen were to like emerge and fuck shit up yeah okay 
I think to bring up everyone's but like yes, basically to make sure everyone has a bad day. Yeah, at that point they're playing spoilers. One's like a Confederate soldier. <laughs> One of them is like a Japanese geisha. He's a Roman Minotaur. Like it, it was a weird book. Okay. Anyways, okay, I just have to read this Wikipedia sentence just out of context. During a raid on a clan Akaba stronghold, Phantom X was able to defeat him by misdirecting War's feelings so that he thought he was in love with Psylocke. He subsequently exploded, but was fully regenerated a few instants later. Yes. That fully tracks because Phantom X. I have <laughs> no context to any of that, and I've read these issues. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't. Who's blowing up people? Who has the ability <laughs> to come back from him blown up? I'm so confused. Uh, however, he still retains his love of Psylocke and uh, ends up being defeated by them. He's not that interesting. I'm sorry. So that's even better that they were attacking Clan Akaba. Yeah, as I said, like Clan Akaba brought out the final horseman and they were making it everybody's problem. Mm -hmm. He does destroy Eva's uh, Phantom X's ship that we talked about mm. way back when. So screw you, guy. Eva's really cool, but yeah. it might have regrown. The final one, Dario Agar, who was a child whose family owned a small island in the Aegean Sea, which the way it's written and the way I remember reading it makes it kind of sound like they were trying to be like, I was just a poor, innocent young boy, but I owned an island in the Aegean, so probably not that innocent or poor. <laughs> Very much not poor. When his family is attacked by gunmen, Acker flees to a cave in which he finds a statue and prays for revenge, unknowingly making an unpacked with a dark god of indeterminate origin. Which turns him into a Minotaur Man. Next time we see him, he is the head of Roxxon, the totes not Exxon evil oil company, where he goes about making his problems everyone's problems. Mostly Thor related. He does a whole lot of like, I'm going to break into the Nine Realms so I can make my problems everyone's problems. It, he's a good character to have as that CEO so that you don't just have the question of, well, why doesn't somebody just go grab the CEO? And it's like, well, because he turns into a giant, really, really, really strong Minotaur. Because he's a Minotaur, that CEO. He's strong enough that he can get into a fight with Thor. He's not strong enough to win any of his fights with Thor. But, but like, he doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. He fights Thor, he doesn't die. Uh, he does feed all of his lawyers to bears at one point because he's not happy with their answers. Lawyer joke, but <laughs> He ends up... Mostly a villain of Thor, he does end up taking on Captain America. He becomes obsessed with Weapon H at one point, who is a book that should not be good. This book should be bad. It is not bad. Weapon H is a clone that is a combination of the DNA of Hulk and Wolverine. So it is a large... He was like Canadian. a marine inject... <laughs> he was like a marine injected with the DNA of both. So I guess not a clone. So he is a large gray hulk with giant fucking wolverine claws. It's the dumbest thing I've ever said out loud that I really liked the book of. I, like, started to hate read it because I like the writer. I want to say it was Jeff Parker, the guy who wrote Agents of Atlas, which is okay. an amazing book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, only because of you, motherfucker. Like, only because <laughs> only of because you. Of I have to see if you're doing something this interesting This will be wrong, but I'll try because I trust you. And I was, like, reading it being like, son of a... Bitch, this is good. <laughs> like, it's not amazing good, but with how weird a concept is, it shouldn't have been at all good. He also later ends up 
messing with the normal Hulk, but it's unfortunately during the Immortal Hulk era. Oh. So it goes wildly bad for him. That's a not good era to be messing with the Hulk. So there, he teams up with a monster named Zemnu. Zemnu was originally called the Hulk back in the Atlas comics days. Mm. Before Hulk was Hulk. Uh-huh. So he's become another Hulk. He's Zemnu. And thanks to various shenanigans, Agar and Zemnu... Evil shenanigans. Evil shenanigans. Brainwash the world. Zemnu's got some kind of brain powers into thinking that Zemnu is a hero with his own TV show and that the Hulk is like something he's chasing down. All of this ends up backfiring. We're skipping over major parts of it. And Zemnu consumes Minotaur and transforms him into a deformed creature unable to speak. Bummer. After the Hulk leaves, the leader confronts Minotaur and says, leave Hulk to me. I don't know if he gets fixed from that. That was the latest point I could find. I admittedly didn't look in as deep as I would if this were like New Violet. That's fine. It's just Dario Agar. Yeah. Full redemption for number one fan. I am so mad at you for Thank this you. one. Yes, I know you are. <laughs> this Everything about this character is terrible. Yes. And I need to read it. I need to read this book. Real quick, this is number one fan. Oh my goodness. Um, Look up number one fan Marvel. That is a design. He is an old man with white pokey-outy hair on two angles a large white and yellow costume, yellow and orange costume, sorry, with number one fan written across the front with giant red letters, and his hands are fan blades. Weird-looking fan blades. Seeking to, uh, the, the character, his name is Rick, I can't find a full name, seeking to avenge his brother Dick, who was a forgettable villain named Carnivore, who just is a lizard man. Mm-hmm. with shoulder pads, uh, who was killed against in a crusade against mutant kind, Rick goes into his absolutely impenetrable laboratory. This is, comes up a couple of times. It is important that this is an absolutely impenetrable laboratory where he then... Oh, Rick Chalker. Where Rick then has his own robot, which I guess he has in his absolutely impenetrable laboratory, cut off both of his hands and replace them with large propellers. Delighted with his transformation, (laughs) Rick proclaims himself the number one fan. Which propellers and fan. Like, I get it. It's it's a great joke, but why? Why would he do that? Since the operation is complete and he now considers himself all-powerful. However, because he doesn't have hands anymore, he can't reach the uh, release button to get out of his absolutely impenetrable laboratory. Amazed at his own stupidity, realizing how poorly he planned this out, Rick slaps his own forehead and the razor-sharp propellers kill him immediately. (laughs) What? We're not even done. What? (laughs) What? Chalker spirit is sent to uh, Satanish's realm of hell, where he is resurrected along with Carnivore, his brother, and Professor Vic Chalker, who I'm not sure what the relation is. I think that's another brother. He's either a brother or a dad or something. Anyways, uh, where he's resurrected as X-Factor's greatest enemies. And they attack X-Factor. Rick takes on Quicksilver, but finds the mutant too fast for him to hit even once. Rick then threatens to behead Wolfsbane, but Quicksilver quickly rescues her and punches Rick repeatedly. <laughs> Polaris blasts Vic Chalker through the air, and number one fan tries to catch him, but neglects to consider the propellers on his hands and kills his possibly brother. 
or at least to, to chop him up very badly because Vic will then use a laser to cut number one fan in half. This is delightful. Satanish then finishes up his plot with whatever he was actually trying to do, and number one fan is never seen again. That's so fun. I think this is from the Peter David X-Factor era. I'm not sure, but that is a... Peter David is the best at writing comedic teams. He's also created Young Justice and the Mighty Endowed that we have oh, made right. jokes about over the years. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, half Redemption on Stiltman? Stiltman, a.k.a. Wilbur Day. Yeah, if I recall, you covered the first one. But there were some others. So Wilbur is legendary for somehow still being a thing. <laughs> he is... Apparently he's well hung. One of the... And yes, he's got a giant dick. That's why he's uh, still around. <laughs> he, he comes up a lot because he... Uh, well, is... there's a lot to come up. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> but it's... He is one of the longest running Daredevil villains. He appeared in some of the first. It's so fucking He ridiculous. first appeared in Daredevil 8. <laughs> what? That's. Like, I mean, I know that I read that already before, but, but it still it's blows just my one mind. of those, like, yes. So he's been around forever. And he's supposed to be dangerous because, you know, let's see. Competent engineer and inventor. Moderately talented disguise artist. Possesses arsenal of weapons and devices. Armored battle suit. Grants superhuman strength, telescopic legs, silicone coating, against adhesives, and Spider Man's webbing. But he's also. Stiltman. So at the end of the day, that's it. He's a fucking founding member of the Emissaries of Evil, which was like, Electro got tired of getting beaten up by Spider-Man and also hated Daredevil, so he created his own version of the Sinister Six. Oh, with Black That Jack he was also a member of. Stiltman will team up with Electro, Matador, the Leapfrog, and Gladiator to form the Emissaries of Evil. Damn Leapfrog. <laughs> If you've seen She-Hulk, yes, it is as pathetic as that entire episode. Wow, okay. Stiltman gets beaten up a couple of times by Black Widow because she was dating Daredevil. I'm just like... He gets in a fight with Thor at one point? Which goes about as well as you would expect? I mean, it's a super ar super strength armor. Like, it's a super suit armor. So, like, I get that. But, like, I feel like the stilts are going to be too much of a hindrance to actually get any benefit out of uh, armor. Uh, during the Acts of Vengeance crossover, where major villains attacked different teams to see if it would work better. He joins up with a bunch of others to attack the Fantastic Four, and they're like, you're a stilt man. We have the Invisible Woman. Just get fucked, man. Just... <laughs> <laughs> like... Let me just uh, invisibly knock you over. Day ends up dying because he registers with the government during the Civil War Superhero Registration Act, and both him and Punisher go after the same guy. So the Punisher shoots him in the head repeatedly. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Which is what leads to his funeral that the Punisher then blows up. <laughs> How often does he go to that well? Because I feel like we talked about him recently where uh, he blew up, he poisoned a whole bar. No, that's this one. That's why. Because it was Stiltman's funeral. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But a lot. Uh, birthdays, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't they blow up his family? There's a whole thing. Really, he was always just a serial killer that found a bullshit excuse, but um, yeah, I got thoughts. No, no, I mean, like, <laughs> it isn't generally like the... the his, his family was, was killed by gangsters, yeah. but, like, honestly... Was it, like, But it's, it does bomb? get revealed that, like... 
there was things starting already before, like when he was a teenager, and then he was responsible for fragging officers that he saw unfit during Vietnam. Well, and it's not uncommon. And like they were, like they were, like he was fragging rapists. But it is not uncommon for serial killers to find an excuse. Frank's is better than most, but really. It, the only way I've ever found Frank interesting is he's a serial killer whose target is villains. Yes. Criminals. There's a difference. Um, there is an unnamed stilt man whose biggest claim to fame was he fought Daredevil and Luke Cage, and the fight lasted a long time. But the only reason it lasted a long time is Daredevil was afraid of knocking the villain over at his current height, which would lead to the guy's death. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm it took a while to not stop Not to it. kill you, buddy. <laughs> A third stilt man by the name of Michael Watts was uh, got the stilt man armor and was almost murdered by the Punisher, but Frank let Watts live after there was this brief period where the Punisher and the Rhino kind of became friends. And Rhino was being like, maybe don't always murder people, dude. And the, he was- The con- Rhino was being the sensible one here. <laughs> the Rhino has become kind of an interesting character if he's not a good guy, he's a villain, but he's not- He's a career criminal. There is difference between that and He's like, a lot more like the rogues. Yes. It is being the rhino is his job. Got it. But but, but still just the the very <laughs> funny that the rhino's telling Castle, "Hey yo, don't kill as much." <laughs> Frank lets Watts live after the rhino tells uh Frank, "You punish the guilty, Frank, not the stupid." Uh, and then the final one, Lady Stiltman, who will later just call herself Stiltman, in her first appearance is defeated by Deadpool after he just removes a manhole cover and she trips and falls in. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great! She you, somehow Stiltman. ends up joining a version of the Masters of Evil, which is like the villain equivalent of the Avengers. In their defense, they were taking any Anybody. villain that would at the time. It was who, a super Who else army. ended up on that team? Everybody. Oh, okay. It was one of those. Oh, like, it was like, we're everybody. just getting everyone we can. Yeah. And she teams up with Misty Knight, who was running Heroes for Hire, and a subgroup, Villains for Hire, where at the time it was, she does you a favor, you help her out later mm. when she needs help. And the favor that she did was a fake sex tape of, had been released of Lady... Stiltman that Misty Knight took care of but at the end of the adventure where they took care of that Lady Stiltman was still arrested because it turns out she's still in fact a career criminal (laughs) true you got Moonstone Asbestos Man this is another one where you're an asshole I know Dude, yes. I gotta throw it. If I'm gonna throw in Moonstone I gotta throw in Asbestos Man I'm with you I actually really enjoyed this one I just he's appeared twice yeah in 60 years I mean, you know all you need to know from the name. <laughs> yes. He is, There's probably this, good reasons he's only appeared honestly, twice. Honestly, his costume's not bad. I don't remember what it looks like. Yeah, not terrible. I'm sure you could do a pretty baller update. It's a little generic, but it's fine. Like, Yeah, that's not actually... Uh, I like it. First appearing in Strange Tales 111 by Stan Lee, Ernest Hart, and Dick Ayers... Very feel, feel, feels very industrial and like kind of like... Reminds me of like a mix of like a... Uh, a welder's outfit and kind of well that's why it probably reminds me of uh, the the rocketeer is that it was mostly made out of like repurposed welder oh, stuff yeah yeah um, no it does have a rocket it's the fin and the eyes and the yeah. anyways dr orson karloff is the world's foremost analytical chemist who invents a chemical that is capable of melting metals among other things <laughs> 
That's just how Wikipedia puts it. I don't know if that's from the comic. <laughs> so he melted that's off his genitalia. That's Stan Lee would write, though. So, like, so he definitely melted oh, yeah, off his no, genitalia. 100%. Anyways, He's like, I could stick he decides my dick to in use this, this to uh, rob Fort Knox. He goes straight to rob Fort Knox. However, he's not swift or stealthy and is immediately almost caught. Realizing that he's really not good enough for this, he decides to adopt the supervillain handle of Asbestos Man. And he retreats to an obscure castle that I guess he has access to, where he hones his powers and then one day challenges the Human Torch to a showdown. Because this was just a thing in the early days of Stanley writing. Villains would just call out a random hero being like, I'm going to make my bones by beating up whoever. I'm going to beat you to death in the streets <laughs> to make my money. World star. He shows up <laughs> as the asbestos man wearing an asbestos suit that is highly toxic and resistant to heat. He did not know that first part. It was the 60s. Uh, possesses possesses an iron Possesses an iron shield that can block out flames. He has energy manipulation via a metal net, and he's a genius chemist. Okay, so why do you think you can rob banks with that? Because he has the metal melting thing. Also, it's the 60s. You can rob banks with a lot less. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But Fort Knox. Okay, that might be a stretch. (laughs) He should just be a bank robber. Look, he's one of those people that is intelligent but stupid, is really the whole story here. Too smart to be smart. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Overly ambitious. Anyways, he actually wins his first battle with the Human Torch thanks to his super asbestos armor, a combination of iron, calcium, and crystallile. Crystal asbestos. Uh... He, at first, goes around bragging, joins up with a, like, proto-kingpin. The rest of the Fantastic Four encourage Johnny Storm to, like, save him. I really think they just made fun of him until he's like, I'll show you. And he goes back and defeats them. We don't see them again until the Fear Itself storyline, which was in, like, 2011. So 50 years later, Mm -hmm. where it turns out that he has so much cancer. He's just riddled with all of the cancer. Just a little clap. So just yeah. Because that's some, that's some well done, just like, oh, I have a good idea to do something with this character. You guys remember how there was an asbestos man? <laughs> Guess what happened to him? He's living with an oxygen tank just so he can breathe, but he desperately wants to return to his life as a villain, but he's persuaded not to by the Great Lakes Avengers. Uh, years later, next time we hear about him, Human Torch mentions that he died because he was the asbestos man. The reason why he is important here one he keeps making like top 10 weirdos lists top 10 strangest villains list top 10 most powerful great lake avengers villains list which is a mockery great lake avengers is supposed to be awful top 10 famous marvel villains from the 60s that have been forgotten for reasons but here's why it's interesting the california asbestos legal center paid tribute to asbestos man in may 2012 writing its entry on the mesothelioma lawyer blog that he alongside a similar villainous of asbestos lady was a quote lasting reminder of the significant cover-up perpetuated by the asbestos industry regarding the danger associated with asbestos exposure philip munt of the Karolinska Institute also cites asbestos man and asbestos lady as examples of his asbestos being considered a miracle fiber at times in the 20th century as it was portrayed to have enough heat resistance to take on superheroes. Weird. So he's come up multiple times as various like asbestos is bad companies are like, see? Uh, yeah. 
And then Angar the Screamer. Yeah, which Angar. like I feel like you covered all. Of we it? got we didn't. I didn't remember what his origin was, and I forgot to look it up again. Um, but I feel like also Tyler kind of. I covered looked, some of it. Covered some of it. He was an anti-protester, and or no, he was a protester. Like he was a, a hippie, and then yeah, became evil. He's real heavy in the. Bill Hader played him. What? What? Where? Hold on, Angar the Screamer. In Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel's MODOK, voiced by Bill Hader, and at one point portrayed by Jeff Daniel Phillips. What? What? I'm looking. He appears in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., vo- er, uh, portrayed by Jeff Daniel Phillips, and in Marvel's MODOK, he's voiced by Bill Hader. I never have watched MODOK yet. Neither have I. We've talked about doing an episode of it. And I like Jeff Daniel Phillips. He was a good Herb and Winster. In MODOK, he is a frequent visitor of the bar with no name, so we'll have to deal with him in a moment, and regales his past as the lead singer in a band called Sweet Leg. <laughs> I don't even care about the origin at that point. He's nope, a protester. He's in sweat, the Sweet Leg. <laughs> Fucking Bill Hader. So, not too gamey of games this time around, but there was a couple things that came up that I thought was kind of funny from the season. Mostly when uh, when doing the research for Dr. Druid, I found out that he was officially listed in Marvel canon as six foot five, three 311 pounds. Damn, he's tall. He's a big old boy. Wait, Dr. Druid? Yeah. That's... That's as big as me. How big? How, six foot five? Yeah. That's as big as me. That's... Yeah. He's a big... He's tall. He's... A, Every every iteration I've seen of him is seems, not that. No, he's usually portrayed as a little dude, and so or at least seems more slender than that build would uh, expect me <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, that's a brick. And Kingpin I know is like four hundred and fifty pounds. And I know we've talked about yeah, it before. Like, like, like Logan has never shown the height that he's supposed to be, like but five four. Yeah, but a lot of these characters do have uh, official heights oh my God, and weights. Are we guessing heights. Joker's supposed to be like six seven. Yeah, Joker's yeah. fucking giant. That's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> no so, wonder he's creepy. So for this one, I just went through the characters that were actually in the fights this round. Okay. So, guess on Daredevil. Five eleven. Daredevil. I see him as like Height just under six feet. This is the tail of the tape. Height and weight. I also tend to think of people as like six foot as average, and I know it's actually a few inches shorter than that. I'm just a tall family. Five foot three, two twelve. I'll go two twenty-five. Uh, six foot two hundred. Tall. Uh, yeah, a little tall. About an inch taller. I was close on that one. Nightwing. Six foot one eighty. Four foot eleven. <laughs> <laughs> three hundred pounds. Five ten one seventy five, Human Torch. Five nine, one hundred and fifty pounds soaking wet. I realize I'm just gonna always not know how to weigh people because that's not a thing my brain knows how to do. But um, I'm gonna guess he's probably like five two. Five ten one seventy. I'm weirdly good at this. Yeah, you're really close. So <laughs> also, he's almost the same exact size as Nightwing. Five pound difference. It tracks. Yeah. Uh, Quicksilver. I want to say he feels short to me. I was going to say like 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, and skinny. I'm going to say like 160. Like oh, he's a, I, he's I was going to say like 120. I feel like he's like rail thin, and I was going to guess like 5'2". Uh, his official is 6'175". Interesting. Taller than he's expected. He doesn't seem like a tall one. I guess he is kind of... Uh, I guess Usain Bolt's pretty tall. I mean, it makes sense in that like usually like lanky people tend to have... M- Longer legs, so 
wider stride. No, some of these, like... Some of, some these, of these sizes don't six, make four, any three sense. Pounds. Yeah, no, some of these don't make any sense. Look, like, someone was you... not getting paid a lot of money to do the official handbook of the Marvel yeah. Universe. So Gwen. Spider-Gwen? Like yeah, Stacey? Yeah. 5'2", 115. Five, She's not tall. 5'9". 5'5", five, 125. Uh, five, five, Cap. 6'2", 250 pounds. For your post. 4'20". Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, post. <laughs> um, post, 6'3". I don't know. Some, some, some amount of weight. Zach, you were so close. 6'2", 240. Uh, Scarlet Spider, Ben. 5'9", 200 pounds. He should be less, but like they, uh, five four, buck fifty. Five ten one sixty five. Iron Man. Five three. I actually have in and out of armor for him. In armor, five seven. <laughs> Six foot eight hundred pounds in the armor. No, let's say like five hundred pounds in the armor, uh, and usually let's say two hundred, one eighty. Uh, out of armor, Tony is six one two twenty five. In armor, six six four twenty five. How about the Mach one armor, the one he made in the cage? <laughs> yeah. Six hundred. Yeah, I know I said it once already, but Doctor Druid three hundred and oh, he's six five, and but I don't remember his weight. Three hundred and eleven. Damn, he's a he's a big. That is significantly more than I weigh, and I weigh a lot of weight. It's been a minute since I've uh, weighed myself because I uh, have a eating disorder, so it's weird. But um, that's in the ballpark of me as a fat human that is big and tall, um, and that's fucking weird because he's not drawn as such. No, no, he's not. Uh, up against Wolvie. <laughs> five, two. Five, four, I want to say. 500 pounds? I'll say 400. Uh, he's 5'3", 195, 300 with the adamantium attached to the skeleton. 300 total or combined? I think 300 total. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping they just slapped on 300 pounds of adamantium <laughs> to him. <laughs> you would have been five within 5 pounds, though. Which is what I was thinking, probably. Scarlet Witch. This one seems so specific. This one's weird. Sorry. 5'5", five, five, 130. 7'7". Seven, seven. <laughs> You know, magic, lucky, seven, um, and... Six, six, and she weighs six pounds. <laughs> six, six, and she weighs 66 pounds. If you guys would have just put your shit together, five, seven, 132. Wait, I was right with yeah. 132? Yes. I just tossed on that two to be an asshole. That's why I was, like, weirdly specific. <laughs> I don't like that. that. I am uncomfortable with this game. <laughs> uh, John Henry Irons. 6'3", 250 pounds. Him always a big old boy. Not like... 5 inches soft. <laughs> 12 inches hard. Thank God you did this on this show and not New Byland. 6'7", uh, uh, 290. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Squirrel girl. Oh, she feels short. I want to say like 5'4". I'd go with 5'4". 135. I'm, I'm going to say she's she's a little yoked, so she's like on the 175 range. So. I mean, she's the, beat fucking Thanos. I'm imagining she's got guns. This is kind of funny because of the weird. 
as as problematic as it could potentially be, uh, the weird little hinted romance between her and Wolfie is also kind of weirdly cute because they are canonically the same height five at 5'3". Oh, 5'3"? Uh, and she's almost half his weight at 100 pounds. Jesus, she wears nothing. Although squirrels are supposed to be like light and jump, able to jump, so that, I guess, makes sense. Multiple man. How many of them? Just one right now. Oh, okay. God, fuck you. <laughs> That's good, though. <laughs> Five, nine, 190 pounds. Um, <laughs> right, five. Five, eleven, one fifty-five. <laughs> this one was great because they had to put in parentheses afterwards variable. Wasp. Oh. Five inches? I think is like her normal, like three to five inches. <laughs> five, five, and a hundred and ten. Five, nine. Five, four, a hundred and ten. Oh, pretty close. I've never even read the fucking official handbook to the Marvel Universe. I skip it when they put it in the back of books. I love that they do it. I never really am that interested in it beyond. I have Wikipedia. This. We are past that. Exactly. The Nightcrawler. I'm going to say taller, though I think he should be like 5'4". I'm going to say 5'9 again, and we'll go with 170. I want to say he feels like he should be tall to me. Like his character should be tall, like like 6'2". Yeah. They call him Elf all the time. Like he's taller than Wolvie, but not by a lot. 5'9", 161. Zach, you are scarily close <laughs> to like every one of these. <laughs> Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. I'm going to say like 6'4". I know it's probably shorter, but I fucking love uh, in New Frontier where they have Wonder Woman just built like a brick shit house. I was about to say, like, I feel like the, this number is more reflective of classic Wonder Woman, but in recent years they've been more and more comfortable by making her actually kind of beefy and muscular. I... Fucking, which I'm, I'm all love about. Darwin Cooks. She's taller than Superman, and he has to look up to her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, that's good. So I'm gonna go with six two and two hundred and fifteen, but in that probably like five ten one fifty five nine one one seventy uh, six foot one sixty five. Uh, and so I was close on one and then like close on the weight on the other mm -hmm. but okay you know what actually six foot and is not as bad as I expected it to be 165 just seems for a six foot that person is real thin that is but when you look at like classic taller than I was expecting mm -hmm. but also they're, they're supposed to be superheroes so it kind of makes sense but I'm... I weighed 180 and was six foot in high school and you could count my ribs mm -hmm. I also was a high schooler though like I just you know like uh, counting ribs, like yeah. you didn't know yeah. I could just eat like, endlessly, one, and it did. Yeah, one rib in my mouth, yeah. two ribs in my mouth, <laughs> counting ribs. And our last one, Storm. Six four, one fifty. Five ten, one thirty. Five eleven, one forty five. Why am I not good at useful skills? I don't know. Because <laughs> you don't know how to make this monetarily valuable. <laughs> And like, Welcome uh, to our new podcast, Zach Guess the Heights of Superheroes. If anyone can know how to make money off that, let us know. Please. Uh, so we had a bunch of randomly done battles all season, mm -hmm. but there are certain matchups that have happened over the years in the comics 
Um, I'm just going to throw some at you, Zach. And if you know about them, cool. You can tell us about them because I think some of these have some real fun stories behind them. If not, whatever. I got, we can redemption some other time if you want. Guess, yeah, you don't no, have no, to. Just, just awesome. Superman versus Spider-Man. That was actually a big crossover issue. Uh, I want to say Kingpin and Lex Luthor team up? I. That's such a weird matching. They were the two biggest heroes at the time. I mean, I get it. Like, like they're... We think of Batman as the number one hero, but until the Tim Burton movie, that was not true. Superman was the king until the 80s. Yeah. Also, Superman's power wildly fluctuated, The so he wasn't as overpowered. I've never read this because it's impossible to get your hands on, because it... Uh, Lex Luthor and Doc Ock. Oh, oh that's so much better. Especially because this would have been back in Lex Luthor's like, mad scientist days, as opposed to skinny kingpin days. I've not read it because it's impossible to get your hands on because Marvel and DC do not do crossovers anymore. It doesn't happen when one's owned by Disney and one's owned by Warner Brothers. They should do that. Yes. It was well, amazing then that you they... you start getting into Monopoly territory, so don't do that. No, no, I said crossovers, not mergers. <laughs> it was amazing that they did a re-release of the Avengers JLA crossover when George Perez announced he was going to die, and they did it as a limited run, as a fundraiser for possibly the greatest comic book artist of all time. So, like... It's supposed to be fun, but I've never read it. I don't really know much. Yeah, I, apparently manipulated by Lex Luthor and Dr. Octopus. Superman thinks Spidey is responsible for kidnapping Lois Lane. Peter thinks Soup's kidnapped Mary Jane Watson. Superman pretty much, I mean, Spider-Man pretty much breaks his hands on Superman, and then they team up and go after the actual bad guys. Yeah, it's not going to go well for Spidey. Superman's uh, vaguely mad at Spider-Man, and the spider sense gives him a seizure, and he dies. Like, that's the level of power <laughs> discretion here. Although, given the Spidey sense, we don't know if that'll actually kill him. We don't know if that'll even register. It's made him pass out before. It, no, I'm not saying it can't, but I'm just saying we don't know if <laughs> Superman's uh, just flinching at him is enough. Maybe, maybe he needs to shoot a rocket launcher at him. Maybe he's in the same category as Sam. Superman's just carrying a bazooka in this version? I don't know. <laughs> Batman vs. Punisher. My money is on Batman. It's one of those weird ones where because Punisher was so popular, they really weren't allowed to um, make it too uneven. And I know... I, I actually bought this for a friend of mine because he really liked the Punisher, and it was at our used comic store. Used bookstore that has used comics. I know John Romita Jr. was the artist, and they really disagreed with that version of Punisher because it was very much like, give in to the anger, Frank. Feel the rage. It was super edgelord shit. I do know in the Avengers JLA crossover, the JLA is checking out the Marvel Universe, like, mm -hmm. secretly, blah, 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 checking because there's some big threat going on, and Batman's, like, threatening all the JLA members, being like, do not interfere. We are just watching. And then they see the Punisher, and they turn around, and Batman's disappeared and is just, like, beating the hell out of the Punisher <laughs> off-panel. Uh, yeah. So the Batman-Punisher Lake of Fire crossover. Uh, the it's fight... as bad as that name makes it sound. Yikes. The fight doesn't last very long. Frank lands a punch on Batman. Batman's like, I'm going to let you have that one because I'm pretty sure that you think that I deserved it. And then he tries to swing on him again, and he catches the punch, and he's like, I said one. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, uh, like, the no way he beats him. The Batman Judge Dread crossover is much better. That is a that's a that is a matchup that would be way more even. It's goofy as all fucking get out. 
But I don't see Judge Dredd getting his ass beat to fucking death. <laughs> Thor versus Silver Surfer. Ah, oh, that's sad. I feel like they should be lovers instead. Um, it's come up a few times, usually because Odin and Galactus start a pissing match and those two are forced to... Exactly, star-crossed lovers. ...deal with shit. Thor, it, because it tends to be in Thor books, Thor usually wins, but it's one of those... The God of Thunder versus the Power Cosmic is pretty close to even, so it tends to be a pretty good fight. Usually it's those two being like, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you either, but we've got... Yeah, you're right. It's Starcross Lovers. I'm not... I... Right? So when researching this based off a cover, I found out that nerds argue about this one all the fucking time online. It's like Thor versus Hulk. It's just... There's Anytime some of them nerds that you just do don't that, get into it. If you change it from a fight to fucking, they just be happy. Uh, <laughs> no, incel nerds get really pissy when you imply that uh, they fuck. Thor be fucking uh, dudes. <laughs> but, no, no, uh, Thor be fucking everybody. I agree with I you. Agree. Anything, I feel like. <laughs> He's going to get up to some stuff that I don't even think we can comprehend. I've read Norse Legends, man. <laughs> uh, so it turns out that one guy put together a pretty good website that chronicled all the times both that they fought and teamed up together. Uh, and of their 12 fights, eight of them either ended in a complete draw or absolutely inconclusively. Uh-huh. One ended with the edge kind of going towards Silver Surfer, but the fight didn't really come to a close, which I think was their first meetup. And then three times with Thor outright winning. Thor books not usually in Silver Surfer one, yeah. I think I know of one where he just straight up beat Silver Surfer, but he was also literally, like, mad with rage and berserker fury at the time, Mm -hmm. so it was a whole thing. Sorry, I didn't realize it actually was this horny for this concept. (laughs) I'm just learning things about you today. I'm just learning things about me today. Uh, Soups versus Captain Marvel. Which Captain Marvel? Uh, I'm specifically referencing Kingdom Come. Oh! That cat. I'm sorry, I was like... There's yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, so I know. many of them. Uh, it tend, This brawl has happened a lot because Captain Marvel is a giant ripoff of Superman in a lot of... We will actually have an episode later about the rise and fall of Captain Marvel because that story is amazing. But um, I'm sorry, which Captain Marvel are we talking Billy about? Billy Batson, Shazam. Yeah, got it. Thank you. Thank you. It is... Superman generally wins, but it does vary because Superman is weak to magic and Billy Batson is magic Superman. He does knock out Billy, or Billy knocks out Superman in the Justice League run we just read in General Nerdery recently with one punch. Mm -hmm. He sucker punches him. He's like magic fist and punch. (laughs) Uh, I like it. For the most part, I think Superman tends to win. I haven't read Kingdom Come in years. I know that that Billy was being mind-controlled for, I want to say, decades mm-hmm. by Mr. Mind, I think. I think and, I haven't uh, read in a while either. Was I, I definitely misheard you say Mr. Mime. <laughs> Mr. Mime! Would fit really well into Captain Marvel's fucking wild villains roster. Strangely better than he should. <laughs> He almost beats Superman by repeatedly summoning the magic lightning down on him. Just shazam, 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 shazam. But then Superman convinces him to sacrifice his life to stop an atomic bomb. Yep. 
Kingdom Come is a little edgelord. It fucking slaps. What? Yo, Superman, <laughs> question for you. Oh, why can you not just... Because he'd just been hit with like 15 things of magic lightning. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, I, I legitimately <laughs> forgot about that. Um... But if he hadn't, I was very confused. <laughs> that was fair. Uh, Howard the Duck versus Damon Hellstrom. My money's on Howard the it's Duck. It's gonna go to Howard, but I'm mad about it. I assume it's a Steve Gerber story. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, Kazar versus Thanos. Ooh, I have this book. Kazar wins. It pissed off Jim Starlin, the creator of Thanos, so much that he created the Infinity Abyss, which is a fucking baller miniseries where it's revealed that Thanos has just been making clones because he got bored. And a lot of the defeats that Thanos, in Starlin's opinion, should not have happened, happened were a result of the clones. Now, in fairness to this book, the reason Kazar won was not a fight. He managed to, like, trick Thanos through a teleporter door into something, like, mm -hmm. into the sun or something like that. Like, it is... The whole issue is Kazar being like, oh, fuck, gonna die. Oh, fuck, gonna die. Oh, fuck, gonna die. Mark Wade and Andy Kubert as the artist and writer and artist team, it's an amazing series. Uh, there is a wild thing in it that it's revealed that he had made some regular clones that escaped and went off and did their goofy business. But he also, on a whim, just made crossover clones where he put in DNA of various heroes and villains. And one is like Iron Man, which is strange, because who gives a fuck? But it's like a robotic kind of armored yeah. up Thanos. There's a Professor X one. There's a Doctor Strange one. There's another one that I can't remember. And then it's finally revealed that the biggest mistake he made, and he's talking to Gamora, who was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Galactus. Oh, no. It's a Thanos-Galactus no. hybrid that they have to defeat. Why? Because he Why was bored and curious. Jim Starlin's whole thing is Thanos is openly, infinitely more interested in the quest and the curiosity than he is in the end result. It's why he keeps losing, even though he's gained unlimited power like Life's 15 times. Life's all about times. the journey, not the destination. <laughs> it's how he loses the Infinity Gauntlet. It's how he loses the Cosmic Cube. It's how he loses, literally became God. Because he achieves ultimate power, and he's like, now I'm kind of bored. Did you just make me like Thanos? Jim Starlin's Thanos is and Adam Warlock together is the most interesting pairing in Marvel Comics. But it has to be written by Jim Starlin. Too many other writers just write him as a murderer. The Mad Tyrant. Or Mad Titan. And, oh, he's fucking insane in the Jim right. Starlin ones. Like, he's... I mean... He, he's still Thanos he, the Mad Titan, but he's He cloned not. himself in Galactus. That's a pretty... <laughs> yeah. Because he was bored. Because he That's was really bored. the thing. He was like, it was a passing whim. I shouldn't have done it, but I did. Weird choice not to just clone Galactus and put him up against himself. That's what I would do. And then just the last thing I just wanted to ask you, is there any matchups that you've never seen that you would like to or that can't happen because of companies? And um, so you guys don't have to sit there and think on the spot, I brought one, and maybe Zach could explain why this would, I, I think, be a really interesting fight. I don't have an answer to that. Can I give one that is my favorite yeah, intercompany matchup? From JLA Avengers, Superman versus Thor. Okay. It's just brilliantly drawn. It's those two absolutely just wrecking so hard that the JLA and the Avengers, who are all fighting, stop being like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> Superman just barely wins. Literally, he's having that, like, I've never fought someone that hard. Also, he makes a fucking... Oh God! What's the 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 fake mu- rock opera documentary? Um, spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. He makes a Spinal Tap reference because he goes, "In my world, superheroes go up to eleven or something like that." Nice. And knocks out Thor. But there's this moment where he's like, "I can't believe I won that. I'm barely standing." And the fucking like every Avenger just fucking dog piles him, going, "You don't do that. Not to Thor." <laughs> it sounds goofy. It's such. It gives me chills. This like two or three page run. Uh, fights I would love to see happen. God, I love stupid crossovers. The Star Trek Green Lantern crossover should not have been as good as it was. That the, sounds wonderful. The Tarzan Red Sonia crossover was amazing, and it should not be. That actually sounds fucking amazing. Especially because Gail Simone wrote it. She also wrote the Wonder Woman Conan crossover where they were kind of horny for each other, but kind of hated each other at the same time because she's super honorable and he's Conan. (laughs) (laughs) But they also recognize like a hard-headed warrior. My like dream match, just because it would be technical. It'd be so technical and brutal. Uh, Karnak of the Inhumans (laughs) versus Midnighter. They would just both die. (laughs) Okay, so Karnak of the Inhumans' ability is to see the flaw in all things. Literally, he just looks at you, he sees how to defeat you. If I remember, he did that to Spider-Man by making him feel bad about himself. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, That's sad. (laughs) Don't be mean to Spidey. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Midnighter has a super-powered brain... It's like a fighting supercomputer. Fighting supercomputer in his brain that runs a thousand permutations on how to defeat someone before, like, in the blink of an eye. So he goes into every fight with a plan on how to win. I feel like these two either would just, like, one hit immediately kill each other or just... Like, stare at each other for an entire day before somebody finally moved. Yes, and then something else would happen and, like wild shit would erupt. The closest that I can think of is when we read that Midnighter series in General Nerdery where he goes up against Prometheus who can just program any fighter into his brain. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Prometheus versus Taskmaster would be great Prometheus for that Prometheus versus Taskmaster would be great. Taskmaster can mimic any fight that he sees. But any physical action. Any physical action. Sees. Though he won't do Moon Knight because Moon Knight fucking terrifies him. Because Moon Knight's a lunatic and he doesn't want to do that to his body. <laughs> um, and... Prometheus can upload, because this was 1996, it was a CD-ROM player that let him do this, but he has, at first a disc, and then a mini-disc, and then I think eventually just technology. Wi-Fi. Bluetooth. He can upload the fighting skills of of any person into his brain. How does he get this? Okay. Batman beats him by hacking it and uploading Stephen Hawking into his brain so he gives him motor neuron disease and punches Batman, him out. Batman, that's incredibly <laughs> fucked up. Even Batman feels kind of bad yeah, about it. Batman like, says out loud, he's like, oh, I've never I... hit someone with a motor neuron disease before. Batman, no. <laughs> no, so Batman. Good. Grant Morrison, you fucking dick. That's so fucked up. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Karnak versus Midnighter, I think is. That'd be great. Weirdly, an incredible matchup. Warren Ellis wrote both characters too. So, oh. I haven't read Karnak by Warren Ellis. It was right around Ellis's like worst uh, period, yeah. but it looks really interesting, and I keep almost buying it. All the, all the ones I'm most interested in are usually like 
extreme polar opposites. So like Johnny Storm versus Iceman. I would love to see more of that kind of stuff. They would just create a explosion as the two massive temperature differences hit each other and knock each other out. A steamy sauna that then they just like pal around in. Iceman would love that. He came out as gay a few years back. Yeah. Johnny Storm is canonically super fucking hot. And I don't mean that as a uh, pun. And as far as I know, fairly much an ally. Yeah, pretty chill. Just like, is is okay with being ogled by dudes. So Human Torch is a himbo. He might be the most himbo character in all of Marvel Comics with the possible exception of Hercules. And the only reason I say possible is in the 80s, there was a brief period where Hercules was a chauvinist that I was not a fan of. That didn't happen. He was really pissy that the Wasp was, a was doom the head bot. of the Avengers. No, he almost <laughs> got beaten to death and Wasp saved him and it helped him get the fuck over his shit. Mm. Well, that will happen when you get beaten to death and saved. That's all I got. That's uh, Okay, so you've already heard one of them because I know we've released at least one of our episodes of our kind of behind-the-scenes fights. We have one of those for every... Are you proud of me? Did you see what I named it? I love the name. What was it? Damage I don't Control? Damage Control. That's good. Uh, so good. I will... <laughs> we are going to play those out because we want to give ourselves a little breathing room to get ahead on the seasons. If you've listened to our other podcasts, you know that 2023 is the year of fuck podcasts. Or at least fuck you guys trying to record podcasts. Next season, however, we will be traveling to Wonderworld. Yeah. The world of the greatest titans of superheroics across the multiverse on the edge of existence as they stand guard against the coming darkness. Yes, that's a Grant Morrison thing. Yes, it's a Grant Morrison thing. And we will be doing something slightly different, and we, which means I have no idea how our Redemption Round episode will go, because we will not be doing blind guesses. I will be introducing you to superheroes that you have probably never heard of who are important or at least just fucking amazing. It will mostly be bizarre Golden Age characters as they were figuring out what the like format of superhero comics were. But I have some other stuff in our space throughout as we go. Well, that's it for today, folks. We're sitting here and drinking beer. But before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows at earverm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. As always, we want to give a special thanks to editor Stephen Gady and to Ian Ford for our theme song tracks. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and not up, up, and stay. Sit, up, sit, up, and, and stay. <laughs> sit, sit, and drink beer. And then I'll say, like I always do, landing sequence initiated. Yeah. Or do you always say, do I just not pay attention to you? I've done it like last, <laughs> the end of the last three seasons. It, oh, it is his monthly bathroom break, so sit, shit, and drink beer. Oh, God. Yeah. Just end the episode. Yeah.